This is the commercial property show, Australia. Show number 63. There's no one metric that you can Mm. say, because of this, this is going to happen. It has to be a body of data, of information, of boots in the ground to really understand the market. No one metric is the be all and end all. Hey, commercial property crew. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Andrew Bean and I have another Ripper episode for you today. So recently I was on the Oz Property Investors live webinar with Joe Tucker and Jeff Miles and I explained how commercial property markets really work and I also went really, really deep into how to add value to industrial property and I simplified it into the six easiest ways that anyone can add value to commercial property. And so in the first part of the webinar, I was talking about how commercial property markets work with data and boots in the ground, what to look for. And this is what this episode is gonna be. So I'm gonna split it into two parts. So this is part one, number 63. And this is all about how commercial property markets actually work with data, with residential property, what you need to look for, how you need to do boots in the ground and everything involved in that. So this is the first part of that webinar. And thanks to the boys from Oz Property Investors for having me on. It was an absolute blast. So I think this is one of my best recordings of how commercial property markets work. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know what you think. All right, here it is. But first... If you haven't checked it out already, and I know a lot of you already have because I've been crazy busy with all the consultation calls, but I've opened up a whole bunch of new services in my commercial consulting business, all aimed at helping you guys, the investors and other professionals, not only just getting the job done, but educating yourself along the way. They're all about educating you as the investor so you can do it for yourself as well. Whether that's crunching the numbers on a commercial property, figuring out the best market or location or area that you wanna purchase in, giving you advice on a specific deal that you're looking at to making sure it stacks up, to even doing the due diligence for you and educating you how we actually do due diligence on commercial property. All of these services are geared at helping you, the investor, educate yourself and not breaking the bank. Or if you're just looking how to add value to your property and you can't figure out yourself and you need someone to look over your property to figure out how you can force crazy value onto that property. If you want to check out what I'm doing, go to www.andrewbean.com.au. Book in a free consultation. I only take on five new clients per month and I'm totally booked out now. So if you guys want me to help you in future, jump on, get a free consultation so we can figure out the best ways I can help you out with your commercial property journey. And we are live on Oz Property Investor. We bring the big names, but we have the big fun. And what's that in the back? Oh, just is that a? I know, I've got distracted by his artwork. How you going, anyway, Andrew? What's happening? Good mate, nothing much. I actually tell you the truth, quite a lot. I got deals that I'm working on. Was in Coffs Harbour on Monday for Ooh, just the day. The big that banana. was uh, 
Yep, love, love that place. It's Jeez. a really, really good market for commercial property and also residential property. So uh, flew down for the Ooh. day and just to inspect a property on uh, Rex Air, which was a, a semi-light plane. Never been on a semi-light plane before with the propellers. Might have like more like yeah. the, um, the pilot or co-pilot, isn't it? You could basically see the pilot from where you were sitting. It's like a 40-seat plane. It's basically a light aircraft, and that's why it was so cheap. I'll take it. Was it scary? Was it feel like you're going no, skydiving? No, well, when I because I didn't realize it was a light aircraft when I actually booked the flight. So I mm. got to the terminal ready to board, and I'm expecting to board a 747, the usual walking down a plank, you know, right up to yeah. the airplane. And they say, oh, no, get onto this bus. And I'm like, that's strange, but not anything to really raise an eyebrow about. And then yeah. they drove us to this light aircraft. I was like, wow, this is actually like scaring me a little bit. But then as soon as I got on the plane, it was fine. I'm not scared of flying. I'm not scared of heights. I've actually done flight lessons before in a Cessna. It was fun, real fun. But there was barely have any you, people have on the plane. Flown, have you flown into the side of a mountain, a place called Lukla in Nepal? If you go and do an Everest or Everest base camp, you're flying. Literally, it was one of the most dangerous top 10. I don't know if it still is, but when I did it, it, it was just insane. And you're in this small little thing, small plane. So anyway, yeah, not, well, not that I, I didn't want to one up you, but it sounds like I did. So my For did. a while, I yeah. wanted to be a pilot, but it was way too late because realistically, it costs a lot of money to get your license. And I got onto it too late. But, you know, well, it is dangerous in terms of you always hear of a fixed wing aircraft coming down. You don't usually hear of a chopper coming down, but a fixed wing aircraft does have more frequent accidents. And I have kids, so... It's just not worth it. There you go. Joe, how are you going on that note? How are we tracking today? I am all right. Andrew Bean is one of the men that I always listen to when it comes to commercial property. But now he's walking into my world in a little bit. I am very much value add. I want to try and juice as much equity out of this deal as possible. But tonight's going to be about how you do that for commercial property. And what was the number? I need to find that number because I wrote it down because it sounded so ridiculous. You said like, how do we invest $15,000 to get $2 million or something absurd, <laughs> Andrew? What? No, <laughs> you asked me a question today on Facebook and you said, what's like the most amount of money to get like back? And you usually have like 2 to $3 for every dollar you put in. But with commercial property, you can add value with a stroke of a pen if you just know how to do it and the knowledge to be able to find the deal. So it's having the knowledge and having the understanding on how to actually add value to it. And with a stroke of a pen, you can add value, literally like 250K value with a stroke of a pen. Oh, okay. That's why I'm excited. I want to. <laughs> I want one of those pens. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a special pen. It's just, you know, this could do it. This could do it. But uh, it's the, the, the knowledge and the mindset and the vision to be able to find it and understanding. If you know the data and you understand the market you're going into, then identifying the property is the main thing. And, and that is yeah. where the value is added. Love it. Jeff, how are you, mate? I'm feeling good, man. Exciting times. Just, uh, yeah, feel uh, it's already, uh, inflation was 6.3% today. So it's continuing to come down. We're going to be oh, deflationary no. before you know it. No, well, deflationary is neg- <laughs> negative. But it is disinflationary is the correct term, I believe. So, yeah, just RBA pause again next Tuesday and away we go. So You think that'll uh, happen? They'll go sideways again? Potentially. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's. Uh, yeah, but this session is going to be amazing. So we, how good was that poster? Like it was fantastic. Like we, we got there with the King Kong and massive buildings and adding excessive value on in commercial deals. So we're going to be talking about that 
and many other things. Just just lots of little Easter eggs in this session. So listen the whole way through because you will want to understand, well, one of the things that Joe said about how to add $2 million with $15,000 worth of thing. Yeah, that's insane. I don't think that I, was it. I mean, I just wanted to hear about that. <laughs> well, we do that. But it, it actually, that. like, in theoretically, it is possible. Theoretically, but I doubt it. But in terms of calculation, it could be possible. Yeah. You build us up and you broke us down. Like, you told us about what <laughs> hey, happened. 250... 250k is pretty good for no money in. Like seriously, that's a good day's work. Yeah. We're going to be talking about as well how to actually sort of decide where to look for your next commercial deal as well. So that's going to be exciting because we talk about it in in Resi a little bit, but we don't unpack it a lot in commercial. So let's but let's get into quote of the week. So before we do that, any questions, comments, drop them down below. We love the likes as well on YouTube and all that sort of good thing. So what's your quote hmm. of the week, young Andrew? Mate, my quote is, winning is great, but failure is a better teacher. Is that Grant Cardone? No, it's not Grant Cardone. I'm not sure who said it, but I felt like that was relevant in property because in property, you actually lose more deals than you get. So if you want to just get one deal, there's a number. And Joe's nodding his head going, you're damn right, we lose more deals. There's a number that you need to put out of offers to get one deal. So that might be 20 offers to get one. It might be 100 offers to get one. There is a theoretical number that you need to actually make offers on a property to just transact one deal. And that one deal could be life-changing. And it's exactly the same with running numbers on a property. So to get good at running numbers on a property, you need to run numbers on a property hundreds and hundreds of times to be able to be confident to the, when you actually find that deal, that it is the right deal. Like, so it's just property is a numbers game and it's a lot like baseball. I used to be a semi-professional baseball player. And if you fail seven times out of 10 in baseball as a hitter, you are a hall of famer. Seven times you fail. Well, no, that's not Babe Ruth, but in, in general, seven times, if you're batting 300 in baseball, you are a hall of famer for your career. That's a massive batting average. Like that's a good batting average. What is your quote of the week, mate? (laughs) Mine is money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant, which is P.T. Barnum. I don't know. P.T. Barnum sounded familiar to me when I looked this up. He was a, yeah, he was like a showman and also a politician in early days America. So, but I think that's important Mm. because we talk about adding value, but money is great to have. But if the only reason you're adding value is for money's sake, I think that's potentially for the wrong reason. So I think you need to, I suppose, have that kind of mindset and why you actually have a bigger why behind it, which is hopefully the finer things, like whether that be family, traveling, giving back, contributing, going all wax lyrical here. But that's my quote of the week. What's your show? Oh, I like it. Nice little quote, mate. My quote of the week, very well thought through, just like every other week. But it is by Muhammad <laughs> Ali, the butterfly, <laughs> the bee. His is, don't count the days, make the days count. Um, I, I think about that a lot about when we're doing deals because – there is literally two minute phone call that is the deal itself, right? Everything else up to then, but you have to show up and be ready at that point in time and actually make it happen. So you've got to, yeah, make the days count. Don't count them. Just work hard, get it done and show up when you need to show up. That's my quote of the week, but I am excited. Andrew Bean was on our show a couple of months ago. Was it six months or almost a year ago now? God, a year ago, I don't least, know. Yeah. Probably nine months ago. Have a listen, I think it was in about have a listen to that episode. That was really, really good. It was called Cracking the Commercial Code with Andrew Bean. But this session is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more exotic, a little bit more exciting. So anyone that is thinking about commercial property, let's dive right in. I feel like, Jeff, I've stolen your thunder here. No, no you haven't at all. Go oh, well, let's go to our favorite commercial property sponsor. 
Steve Polisi, and then we'll jump straight into this commercial crowd. Don't tell me he's the only one. The amazing thing with commercial property investing is that in most cases, it's cash flow positive from day one, which means that you can drive those profits towards paying down the debt. There are instances with commercial property investing where you can actually have the property pay itself off over 10 years, which is absolutely crazy. With commercial property, you get massive net yield. So you can expect anywhere between 6 to 10%. And as we've seen in the current boom, these properties not only provide large cash flow, they do certainly grow wildly in value too. Now, with big rewards comes some risk. And this is why you should de-risk your investment as much as possible. And the way you do that is with expert due diligence. And this is why we highly recommend people hire professionals to help you along in your investing journey. Steve Polisi of Polisi Property is one such expert. Being a chartered mechanical and structural engineer in a past life, Steve draws on his analytical and mathematical skills to do that expert due diligence for you. With six years' experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He's the guy you want in your corner, crunching the numbers and finding the best properties in the best locations, along with ensuring that you avoid the mistakes. Steve has actually even written the book on commercial property investing in Australia. And not only is it a bestseller, I believe it to be the most comprehensive in commercial property investing on the market today. He's been generous enough to give us a massive discount for our audience of 50%. So use the code OZPROP, click the link below, get a copy today and start learning and getting on your commercial property investing journey. He's even got a what would Steve do thing going. So if you want to ask young Steve a question, drop it in there. So Andrew, who is the person in front of us today? I was reading up about you today. And you are, you've created and hosts Australia's number one commercial property podcast, which is the Commercial Property Show. You founded Commercial Property Data, the first Aussie <laughs> commercial property data platform to break down markets. And then we're going to be talking a lot about that as well. I think more importantly as well, you talk a little bit about you being a data too. You are a CrossFit junkie. I remember that photo of you and, you and Steve sent for, I think you gave Steve a big run for his money. You're a specialist. I'd consider you a specialist in self-storage as well. But you're really, I suppose, continuously evolving and curious about how to add value in commercial property and other people's commercial property investing. So what did I miss? Yeah, well, I was just like everyone else. Like I started with just my property journey going for residential property. And then I just realized that residential property for me and what I wanted to do, there was a better asset class that gave me higher returns. And that was commercial property. So I basically wanted to learn more about commercial property. So I started a podcast interviewing professional like property investors, basically to not only learn, but be able to share it as well. Because as everyone listening to this knows that real estate is the best asset in my mind. Real estate has made more millionaires than any other asset. There's no other asset that's safer you can look at his shares and you can debate with me all day long, but there's absolutely no way a real estate asset will ever go to zero, but a share price can go to zero from you know a Donald Trump tweet. That's the thing. It's like property is the mainstay for everything that I do. And further to that, being that... No, not financial advice thing in the jiggy that Joe <laughs> This is not financial advice. This no, is no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't go on. But further to that with commercial property, drilling down further to self-storage, Self-storage actually is a, a business in a real estate asset. So it has high business returns 
in a real estate asset. And it's all about adding value to that asset. So the reason that I personally like self-storage and that's what I'm doing is because self-storage has more ways to add value to it, guaranteed ways to add value to it and to the business. And that actually results in creating huge value in the real estate so that's particularly why I've drilled down again to self-storage. But I do like can, can a I, lot can of I different just pick assets. Up Fred on, you said you're talking about guaranteed sort of, the word guaranteed concerns me in property because what does that sort of look like? like what, how do guarantee you, for what? When did I say it? Well, you said something about commercial property as a way to guarantee or something. I'm like, how does that, how does that work? Like, just run me through that quickly. Well, I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to, but in terms of like adding value to the income of the property, that guarantees the value will change. That's okay. 100%. Like, that's calculated. It's how commercial property is valued, but I don't want to give away too much before we actually get into the whole live show. It's a good but, thing um... Joe's having technical difficulties. Otherwise, <laughs> he, he, would have, he would have been like, no, no, tell us now. Tell us now. But yeah, okay. So go on. Where are we going tonight, Andrew? I think you've prepared something previously. So All right, you, no worries. I'll present my screen. Yep. All right. So how to add value to commercial property? It's the age old question that really hasn't been told for a very, very long time. So it's really the thing that makes the difference between a great investment to an absolutely like home run investment. So we'll jump right in. So what's so special about commercial property? Well, I mean, it's just a real estate asset, isn't it? Like it's bricks and mortar, sheet metal and concrete. But if you actually thought that, you'd be wrong. So commercial property is actually a lifestyle asset. The way that commercial property can be put together is it actually pays for you to own it. So it pays itself off and it also pays you to own it. So it's very, very easy for a commercial property to be returning 60 to 100,000. So it's one of those things that you could basically retire on one commercial deal if you get it right. And that's particularly why I like commercial property is because I can use it as a tool to fund my lifestyle as soon as possible. So the real reason why I got into commercial property or I started chasing commercial property, I had a bit of a realization. So probably back in like 216, 215, I was at a event um, for one of the well-known buyers agents. I won't say who they are, but they're presenting their opportunity, the way that they invest. And the way that they did that, or the way that they were explaining that was that in the first year, you'll buy one property. And in the second year, you'll buy another property. And this would keep on going for 16 years, right? So you end up buying eight properties in total. And then after 16 years, you have almost seen two cycles. So in theory, speculating that you're going to have double the amount, like capital growth, triple, it's going to be worth four times as much, whatever. So the first four properties that you bought, you would sell down and then pay off all of the mortgage for the second four properties. So you guys following with me? Oh, so you're saying, if, if I understand correctly, you would have basically two portfolios, one that you'd sort of keep and, and then you'd sell some to pay down the debt. Yep. Is that where you're going? Yeah. So over a 16-year period, you're buying eight properties. Every two years, you're buying one property. So after that 16 years, you have eight properties in total. Like after time, you keep on refinancing the first initial ones to fund the later ones. 
And then once you get to year 16, you sell the first four to pay down the last four and you live off that passive income. So it takes you 16 years to get a theoretical like 100K passive income. So that's like $25,000 per property or whatever it was. So I was always about residential property and I love residential property. I love any property. But I decided then and there that if I have to wait 16 years to try and get cash flow, why don't I just try and get cash flow straight away? Because I want to use property to be able to retire myself from my desk job that I don't like. And this is not something for everyone because if you have a great job that's really high paying and you love that job, then buying negatively geared property might be great for you. But for me and what I wanted to do with property, I wanted that to fund my lifestyle and be able to keep growing the portfolio. So putting myself in a negative position is actually a very, very bad idea. So... Can I ask you two common objections to that theory about commercial property? You might, you might be answering it in future, but can I ask it now? Sure, ask away. Okay. And you've probably heard this before. It's all very cliched, but commercial property requires higher deposits. People, that's the thing that people that are pro-resi, they say, oh, you need at least a 30% deposit. You need a, well, yeah, usually 30%. Sometimes you can get, get away with 20, but let's say minimum 20% and very often 30%. So then the, the question is, how do you fund that purchase? So you're exactly right. There's no denying it. Commercial property has a larger barrier to entry. There's yep. no one's going to pull any punches on that because it's absolutely true. But you just got to find a way. So whether or not you buy one or two resi properties, wait for that to get some appreciation and go into it that way. That's a very, very common way to get into commercial property. But what people tend to think is commercial property should be an end game where if it cash flows and pays for you to own it, why can't it be closer to a front game rather than an end game? Because a commercial tenant is a very, very good tenant to have in terms of they're not going to call you when something breaks. The lease could be two, three, five years. They're very, very committed to having a very, very good property and keeping it up and running for their particular business. So there's a lot less headaches and I'm not saying this is easy because it's, it's not. I'm telling you right now, it's not bloody easy. Yeah. I'm just trying to open everyone's <laughs> mind. And this is not for everyone. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just telling you my mind and why I actually have chosen to go down this path. So yeah. one question I've got is how much more complex is commercial property compared to residential? Because Look, everyone knows a residential. They live in it, right? They have, yeah. Everyone owns one. They rent it. They, they understand it. But commercial property is a little bit more farther to grasp. But I think that's half the reason why people are not interested in commercial properties because they're just like, oh, well, that's too far away from my mind. I've never rented one or I've gone into them. But, but yeah. I'd probably how, say 80%, Joe, because the things we don't yeah. understand, we often just steer away from because it's mm-hmm. it's like a to say, oh, look, if I don't understand something, if I'm going to get eaten by that tiger over there, so I'm going to stick <laughs> to something I know and, and I trust. But yeah, go on, answer the question. So, is, tell you yeah, the truth, yeah. it's a false belief that commercial property is actually harder than residential property. It's actually easier, 100% easier because I can calculate it easier. to the dollar, 100%. I can calculate it to the dollar, the value. So it comes from a different lens, yes. But as soon as you understand the calculations and the way that it's valued, and you're going to understand that exactly in three slides, you're going to realize that commercial property isn't that hard. It's just something that's been built up in your mind 
that makes you feel that it's harder because you're used to living in a residential property. But if can we throw an objection at you? Another objection? Sure. Hang on. I just want to finish this thought. Hang on. I just want to finish this thought. So if you're looking at a residential property and a commercial property in the same hand, it's a lot more difficult to understand and calculate the exact value of that residential property because there's so many different factors at play. Like people just want it more. They have more money than you. There's heartstrings. They fall in love with the property. But commercial property is all done on a calculation. You can literally calculate to the T what the property value is. And you don't fall in love with a warehouse. You're only doing it for a financial benefit. So in my mind, that makes it easier to buy and sell commercial property because you can calculate exactly to the T how much it's worth. And there's no speculation. There's nothing like that. What was your question, Joe? Oh, it was me. Uh, I, I just said, Roger. what happens when biz goes down? Well, the business goes down, tenants wants out with a four-year still on the lease. Thanks, Ross. Love your work, by the way. It definitely can happen, but residential properties can go vacant too. But if you're buying the right property in the right location, a lot of industrial property now have waiting lists in areas. Like industrial property has never had better fundamentals and tighter vacancy in Australia than it does today. So like if you're buying the right property, yes, there are sectors of commercial property and they're different. So retail sector is different to an office sector is different to an industrial sector is different to specialty assets. So yes, there are some assets that have prolonged vacancy, especially if you get the location wrong and the sector wrong. But right now I'm telling you, industrial property has never, ever been a better asset to buy that is safer. You have waiting lists and you can, you can reference this to Steve. He'll back me up 100%. There are waiting lists with agents to get into these properties. So if there's waiting a waiting list, commercial list, properties, industrial warehouse, yeah, 100%. Because in Australia, overall, industrial property is undersupplied. Because if you're looking at it from a council perspective, they don't want to have uh, large industrial land rezoned for industry to come in. There are parts of Australia that are more industrial, like Newcastle is quite industrial. There's a lot of big industrial, older factories and things like that there. But in terms of a council, the dominant idea is to bring residents in and make it great for the residents, but they still need that industrial zoning to service people. So there's a scarcity that's built into industrial property, which is really, really great for investors going forward today. Yeah, super interesting. That's such a great point because at the core of it, residential real estate is the balance of supply and demand. But when you talk about industrial, there's only an industrial estate that exists. The rest is residential surrounding it. They can't build any more industrial. So the same rules would apply. That's right. So Stevie and I did a top 10 list last week. And What if they changed the zoning though? They can change the zoning, but if you're already zoned uh, residential and there are houses there and you're baked in like supply, like then there's demand there from the residential properties. It's very, very hard to rezone it. You have to go outside of the area. So what I was saying was Stevie and I did a top 10 list the other week and we didn't actually do this purposely, but I think it was nine out of the 10 areas were actually coastal. So the best industrial Mm. areas are actually coastal. And on one side, there's beach and water. You can't go that way. So you have to go back. And the rest is residential property. So 
you got baked in like supply issues there, which is great for being an industrial property investor. Is that what drew you to Coffs Harbour, like that fundamental or are there other fundamentals? Coffs Harbour is one of the best markets for tightness, like for low vacancies in Australia. It was actually the second best market in Australia for vacancy for industrial property. And we were only doing industrial property. We weren't doing all the sectors, but just opportunity there. So I like areas that are away from capital cities. So you get higher yields and less demand from or less like attention from most investors so i've got a uh, self-storage project a client project in foster the client has two facilities there that i'm helping them improve the facility the business and make it all really automated and things like that putting in pin pads and gates and surveillance and bringing them onto a self-storage management system so it's been a really really great project and i drove up to foster and foster has absolutely no industrial property for rent So like Mm. if you're going into that market and you're buying an industrial property there and there's no other property for rent, is that safer than going into a capital city market where there's always lots of supply, but there's always lots of demand, but the supply and demand ratio is way looser than a supply and demand ratio in a smaller market. So that's what you kind of have to look at is the supply and demand ratio in the right, you know, for what you want to do with your investment. Over how long do you track that to be in the supply ratio though? Because how long has it been like that for? I've been collecting about 4,000 data points on all commercial markets in Australia for about two and a half years. So there's trending lines that you can see in CP data. And that's basically markets that have 20,000 in population or more that we track in CP data. So it's not every single market in in Australia, but if you have 20,000 in population, then more than likely we track it in CP data. So it's a 12-month graph that is always displayed in CP data that's rolling. And the data tells you, like the data doesn't lie. It just is. Like there's no manipulation. It's just the data is what it is. Whether it's good or bad, we post it. What about boots? I mean, to young Joe, what about boots on the ground? Like what sort of, I mean, we're jumping all over the place here. I, I like it. But yeah, yeah how, that's what actually, sort of stuff when, when you're visiting a location, because it sounds like you do, what kind of checks and balances do you do in, as a, from a boots on ground perspective in certain locations, in locations you're buying? Particularly with self-storage, because this is a self-storage deal that I'm looking at. You're looking for traffic flow on different times of the day. You're looking at like what's actually happening in the area. Because a Google walk, like what you would usually do is you do a Google map walkthrough first to understand the area. But then being in the car and driving through it is totally different. So when I was in Coffs Harbour on Monday, I'm seeing residential development here, there. You know, it's going crazy. There's things happening because in Coffs Harbour, there's these beautiful beaches, like little beach towns everywhere. So I sat down and had a, a lunch at a cafe and it was buzzing, absolutely buzzing. And I said to the lady, like, is it usually this busy? And she's like, actually, it's pretty quiet today. And like, it was pumping, like for, like there was at least 40 patrons like having lunch at the time. And I said, are these people, because there was a caravan park that was closed. This is, Coffs Harbour is very good for like people coming and having a holiday. So there is obviously some touristy kind of aspect to it. And she said, no, it's probably like 50% tourists and 50% locals. Like we're always really Mm. pumping. And this today was actually quiet. And also from like a lifestyle perspective, I really like areas now that, I could see myself 
living in. So if I want to live there, there's chances are that other people want to live there. So if more people want to live there because of the working from home movement, which we also track in CP data, then more likely that commercial properties and businesses in that area are going to get a boost. So that's including residential. Mm. Like residential is really the key to commercial property and commercial property markets or assets tailwind behind residential. If there's no residential, then commercial markets don't work. It's just like riding in the tailwind. Like if, you know, if you're a cyclist riding in the slipstream or whatever they call it, that's what commercial property does. That's interesting because like uh, that's 100% true. I mean, you run a data company and data only gets you so far, but it's getting boots on the ground that allows you to understand like how many people are actually going up to the shops. Are the shops shutting down? Like is there no one available? So from a commercial standpoint, do you look out for, because you you were saying there was a development there and a development there. Is that a good signal for how commercial property is doing, what the residential development space is doing? Because all of a sudden there's, one place getting knocked down, put into three and then three and then another three. And then yeah. all of a sudden there's a lot more people there. Is that what you're kind of looking out for? Like- oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I want to see population yeah. growth in the market. So not only, and population doesn't necessarily always make commercial property better, but it's a good thing to have. I would rather have it than not. Jobs in the area is also a big thing as well. So in CP data, we track jobs for all markets as well. Cause you know what happened in Perth when the mining boom markets there went crazy. And that was because there was so much demand from people being there because of the jobs that were available there. But when the mines shut down, the whole thing turned around and Perth was stagnant for years. So jobs is a very, very good indicator. And also another thing to look for is also infrastructure. And I'm sure people know that, but Steve and I also touched on infrastructure as well. And Steve went through a whole list of infrastructure in all different areas around Australia. But these are all things that are just ticks. Like there's no one metric that you can Mm. say, because of this, this is going to happen. It has to be a body of data, of information, of boots in the ground to really understand the market. No one metric is the be all and end all. And that's just, that's just how it is. Ground, I want to take one step back because we've, we've, I feel like we've somewhat put the horse football one the car step back. Yeah, take a step back. Because let's just say I'm interested in commercial and I guess so great. I've been, how do I actually know where I should be looking? That's where CP data comes in. So it's really a tool to give you an idea of what location is a good location for you and the metrics that you want to look for. And then you can kind of um, nail it down from there. So I built CP data for myself to be able to understand markets quickly. So the problem that I had was that I would find a property that looked good fundamentally like at the actual property like level. So it had good return. It had a good tenant. It had a good site, like things I could do with it. But realistically, then the next day, two, three days a week was me researching the market to make sure the market fundamentals were good because you can find a great asset in a shitty market, but the market is really what makes you. Whether it's a good market or a bad market, the market will always win. So what's, what are some indications? Let's say we don't have access to CP data and obviously you can get a subscription, but let's say we decided against that for whatever reason. What are some of the things we can look at for ourselves for some good indicators? To, so to I would go on to all the listing portals and look what's for lease. So that's a really good indicator of what's possible in the market. So there's nothing for lease for the type of property that you're looking for. 
that's great. And you can actually look at historically what's been leased as well. So you could find out what has been leased in the market and you could find out what it's been leased for. So you can figure out the rate per square meter as well. The listing portals are actually a very untapped resource. And this is where the data comes from for CP data is all the listing portals. So I'm tapping into that data and collecting the data every single month, literally like 4,000 data points. What data could I use from the the listing portal as in no one that knows how to code? What would I be pulling out? Like, what would I be? Well, you don't need to know how to code. You just need to understand how many properties are for sale, how many are for lease, how many are leased and how many are sold. Like Mm -hmm. these are the metrics that we can use. Looking at getting that data and collecting it for one month won't teach you anything. But if you do it over two and a half years, when you have a body of data like that to have a trend, this is what CP data is. And so those particular metrics is, are put into a dashboard style spreadsheet and then they calculate the different numbers to make an easy way to look at a market within like five minutes. I can tell whether it's a market that I want to go into or not. Yeah. So it's more about a longer term trend about keeping on top of that market. Actually, a question I have is, let's say I want to buy my own commercial property. What is the minimum amount of time that I should be spending doing some research and due diligence on an area before I dive headfirst into it? Well, it's really how long is a piece of string? Did you live there? Do you know the market already? Do you like already understand the market? If you feel like you've got a handle on it, then maybe you do. But if you're going into a market and you've done one day's research, then I'd probably say to keep on looking and understand what's been happening in that market like it's depending on your experience in that market would give me the answer but if you don't know the market you don't know the market and if you don't know the market you don't know what you're buying then chances are you're buying an overpriced property how much credence do you pay and look at sort of previous sort of sales in in an area a lot actually like if it's a uh, an asset that i'm looking at that is potentially a similar asset like for like and tenant for tenant with lease for lease then that could Mm. potentially be a very, very good indicator. With commercial property, the real power of commercial property, which is in the next slide, is how like it is valued. So to understand how to add value, you need to first understand how it is valued. So this is a really big key of commercial property where the power is in the capitalization rate. So if it wasn't traded on a cap rate, then commercial property wouldn't be the asset that it is. But because commercial property is traded on a cap rate with the income being the driving force of value, this is the power of commercial property. So every single dollar that you add to income, to net income of that property increases the value. And that's not speculation. That is 100% like you can calculate that. That's how they are valued. And there's no like saying, oh, actually, it's actually valued this. It 100%, if I add value as in add income to the property, the value of the property will go up. It cannot go anywhere else but up. And that's the power of commercial property. Simple as that. Simple as that. It's simple. I tell you right now, it's a very, very simple game. All right. That wraps up another great show. Thank you so much to the boys from the Oz Property Investors private Facebook group. Make sure you go and check them out. They are doing awesome things over there. And don't forget, this is part one of that webinar. Part two will be coming out shortly. And remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, success is your duty obligation, and responsibility. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off.
This has been a Develop a Life production.